0: Hey everybody, welcome to the pre-roll for ELL195. Once again, I will point you to our friends over at the North Spokane CBD company, actually North Spokane Hemp Company and NorthSpokaneCBD.com where you can use a promo code LIONS to get 15% off of your order. And of course, that is going to be a CBD-centric order so that can help you with aches and pains, which I currently have because I have a fucking cold you're going to hear all about, because that's what I do on this show, I bitch. But if you want me to bitch less, go to NorthSpokaneCBD.com today, make sure to order, use that promo code Lions, help us pay our bills, and also guys, would also uh, be delighted if you wanted to head on over to our Patreon at Patreon.com forward slash Lions of liberty. sign up for all of our bonus content, of which there is an ample amount for as little as $5 a month. Again, Patreon.com forward slash Lions of liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host, Brian McWilliams. Oh, baby. What's up, baby girls? Uh, Yes, it is Brian McWilliams, and sadly... I am suffering from a cold which my adorable baby daughter brought home from daycare. You know, I always heard the myths, right? I thought there were myths and legends like a fucking unicorn that would fly over your house at night and shit delicious gumdrops in your mouth. But the myth that I thought was that the, uh, the kid would get the entire family sick, you know, from going to daycare with these little monsters running around infecting each other. And I thought, ah, that's crap, that's not going to happen to me, me and my my immune system, which has been built up over years from drinking and abusing it, kind of like the homeless that roam the streets of Los Angeles in hordes and never seem to die of anything, even COVID. You know, you can't kill these people with the plague, they lived through it all. I thought, that can't happen to me. But lo and behold, my daughter came home late last week and she's boogering up the place and she's crying and she's, you know, and of course, yeah, as a parent, I'm holding her close and I'm snuggling her and I'm, you know, sucking snot out of her head with this little, yeah, it's like a little ball with a, like a sucker thing on the top of, it. I don't even know how to describe this damn thing. It's like a suction ball. He is sticking up her face and then it sucks the boogers out. So I'm doing all that stuff. Holding her close, comforting her, giving her smooches, and now, of course, my wife gets sick, and a day later, I got sick, and so I'm still sick, uh, and I have a sore throat. So this is going to be a a very short episode, just because I don't think I can talk that much. And uh, but no COVID, I still do not have a temperature. I can taste everything. I've been going around licking random surfaces of my house. The berries still taste like berries in the McWilliams house wallpaper. So that's the good news, everybody. Don't you worry. Your good pal is not going anywhere. Uh, but yeah, so it's going to be a shorty. I have to see if I'm up for it. Uh, and if I have time, I am going to try to do a bonus episode like I did last time. I have to decide. Maybe that'll be released to the public. If this ends up being 15 minutes and I go, ah, fuck it, then maybe I'll do a full episode released to the general public. Otherwise, I will release a bonus episode like I did last time where I did a full episode just for the people in the Pride, uh, the good people that support us. But that's the way it bees, folks. So apologies to all of you new listeners. I know we still got a, uh, we got a ton of new listeners. And again, a thank you to... Ron Paul pubic hair m- masturbating Dave Smith for sending <laughs> so many people over here to listen to the uh, the debate and thank you all for sticking around we really appreciate you uh hanging out with us for our liberty styled viewpoints but uh, I do apologize you're going to get a little bit of a shittier episode today um but some good news to follow that shitty news guys is that my do nothing man series of course my do nothing man is my libertarian superhero who you know, empirically decides that doing nothing is typically better than doing something. That is the concept behind Do Nothing Man and his sidekick, Logic Lad. Uh, we have done, well, I say I have done about, I think I'm about seven or eight episodes in now. Uh, Johnny Rocket Adams had voiced the narration for Do Nothing Man versus the COVID Conspirators and did an awesome job with that a longer episode and you guys can find that at do nothing man's Facebook page. It was in the feed for Lions of Liberty. If you go back and also of course it was on uh do nothing man's YouTube page, but Johnny just got married, uh, Uh, Again, (laughs) but Johnny just got married. So a huge congratulations to our pal Johnny and uh, looking forward to our annual Thanksgiving Bukaki episode, which is going to be forthcoming in a few, few months. Always an awesome time to team up with him and Raylene to, uh, to do that. But, um, but I figured Johnny's gonna be a little bit too busy. So I said, who else is going to be an amazing voice that I can grab for the narration on do nothing man's next episode, which I'm writing now. And I've been able to confirm the great Roger Paxton. Yes, you guys know Roger Paxton. He was uh, formerly of the Lava Flow podcast and now has taken to farming more than podcasting. But he is still an avid libertarian and a wonderful guy who I love to death. So he has said that he will step in and will be narrating the next episode. So that's going to be awesome. And I'll, uh, I'll keep you posted on that. Of course, you get early access to Do Nothing Man episodes. Typically, what I do is I release the new episodes to the pride, uh, maybe a month or two months early, and I release one of the older episodes to the general feed. And that's the way I've been doing it. So uh, again, you can sign up there, patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty. Ah, uh, so gotta talk about rBG pass it away Ruth Bader Ginsburg Ruth later Ginsburg rest in peace uh you know not to make light of it she was a uh well I mean I did make light of it <laughs> so clearly I intended to but uh never too early folks never too early and never too soon so um yeah Ruth passed away finally and uh not that I'm rooting for her to die but I mean when I say finally I mean my God how old does this woman have to be? And really it raises the, just how politicized all of this Supreme court bullshit is and how really, when you get down to it, how ridiculous it is. You know, we've got these justices that are being put into place by politicians. They clearly owe allegiance to one political party or the other one, other, except for maybe I would say Gorsuch. I actually think Gorsuch is a pretty principled justice from what I've seen. He seems to pretty much be a strict constitutionalist and he, uh, he does not give a fuck. And I'll say even, you know, I I really despise some of the uh, decisions that have been made by uh, Justice Kennedy as well. But, you know, I respect something that's not necessarily going to just toe the line for the political people that put them in there. But we do see how ridiculous it is that Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was, what, 87, uh, who has clearly been in cognitive decline, in health decline for a decade at least, and had cancer. I mean, she had, I think, pancreatic cancer for the last two or three years, just desperately clinging to life. You know, they're probably pumping her full of stem cells and uh, and stealing babies from Planned Parenthood and jamming them down her throat or upper uh, upper uterus, wherever they whatever the quickest method is for them to uh, to dissolve within her. But you see that she's hanging on well past the point where she should be. And so when I say finally, I mean that as in you know. It was time for her to go quite some time ago. And I do think it's absolutely insane that these justices have a lifetime appointment because, like I'm saying, they're still politically bent. The majority of them are going in there. They're custom picked by a Democrat or by a Republican that because they specifically see eye to eye with their viewpoints. You know, you very rarely get somebody that's just going to abide by the Constitution purely and not push their bias. I mean, Obamacare's existence is an insult to the Constitution, an absolute absurdity. And of course, Bader Ginsburg was saying that it should have gone farther. Now, at the same time, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been held up as this you know, a saint by the left, despite the fact that she also was not necessarily a huge fan of Roe versus Wade and actually thought that it was a bit of an overstep. She was very critical of it in places. So for that, I can respect her, but we've got these people sitting in there for lifetime appointments that still have their political biases. And then you can't get them out. And of course, Especially people on the left, you know it's funny they always argue that the Constitution is a living document, and then things have to be reinterpreted depending on the time frame, et cetera. Well, if that's the case, then if anything, they should have been saying, "Get her the fuck out of there," because she is old school in thought, old school in action and should not be in there to represent a modern America and I understand the concept behind it. you don't want these people to have to be political and try to push forward specific Legislation or or specific legal opinions, because they know they have a ticking clock behind them. So you find yourself in a very interesting position. You know, I know some people. I was listening to uh, to Jason Stapleton, our buddy over there, and uh, he was talking, and also uh, Matthew Erickson. You know, they're talking about this, and Jason said he would be for a 12 year term for Supreme Court justices, which I don't know if I'd be behind that. I think there should be a limit. I think it'd be something more along the lines of maybe 20 years would be an appropriate amount of time. Because like I said, my worry would be if you have a 12-year window, that you'd have people become even more extreme in their biases and how they would rule on things knowing that they have this ticking clock behind them. So they want to do as much damage as they can possibly do before they're replaced, especially if they know that there's another politician coming around the wings that they've had a Republican in office, you know, for uh, for eight years and you're a Republican justice and your time's going to be running out in the next two years, knowing the pattern usually flip-flops, even if it's eight years of utter shit, it usually flops to the other side. Knowing that, you're probably going to be pushing your agenda. And then you're going to have justices become activists and we all, you're going to have judicial activism, which is something that we all despise and rage against. So I do think you need to have enough time where people aren't Necessarily putting their political biases and and agendas first, but at the same time, it is insane to have people in there for sixty—well, not sixty, probably forty to fifty years. So you know, adios, RBG. Um, and I, and I will say, I, I just—you know—I posted a, a flippant picture of of Babe Ruth with rest in peace when she passed, mostly because I was mocking all of these fucking idiots and assholes who post pictures of Ruth Bader Ginsburg up there, and that's their way of getting adoration and tacking themselves on to a woman's legacy that they have nothing to do with. Absolutely nothing to do with. And of course, if she was not propped up by the left as this uh, this, this creature to be worshipped and, and adored in all points and, and to be – I mean, I remember some ridiculous story after she had quote-unquote beaten pancreatic cancer – that she was working out at a gym every day for an hour. And, you know, how amazing is this woman at 80 to do this? All this, all just just bullshit. When, at the end of the day, she was a woman that definitely broke boundaries. I think she is somebody that uh, even libertarians, as many problems as we may have with some of her rulings, as I said, I still have a lot of respect for her. And uh, and without a doubt, she was a woman of, of importance, but I cannot stand hero worship in any form. Even as I do worship Ron Paul as a hero, I still I still would not go so far, even should the great Ron Paul die within the next year. Let's say he died tomorrow. I'm not changing my goddamn profile picture to a picture of Ron Paul. I'm not going to go so far as to do that because, frankly, I can be inspired by somebody, but I don't identify as that person, nor do I tie my identity to that person insofar as desperately craving attention and trying to gain some sort of secondhand fame or adoration by posting a picture and then leaning back and watching the likes as if that makes me a better person. As if that has anything to do with me other than pandering to people. And if anything, each one of those likes is a black mark on my soul. And I hope that somebody out there Takes down their picture of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, no longer will post such stupid nonsense after hearing this little diatribe. So the question now is, what's going to happen? And it seems like Trump, as uh, even though I I uh, am annoyed that he already said he's going to pick a woman because it again smacks of the identity politics that I absolutely despise. It makes political sense, I suppose. A woman dies. All right. Well, I guess we'll pop another woman. Meet, meet that quota, Trump. But there are two candidates. And I actually liked Amy Barrett, uh, who was at the top of the list. She's a uh, out of Notre Dame cat, super Catholic, which is why I don't think she will get approved because of the rovers weird scenario. But, and uh, you know, an impressive woman in her room, right? A very strong judicial record, very strong principal uh, record. And she has seven kids. I think she adopted two of them from Haiti. So that bodes well. If you're adopting black children in your family, they can't say she's a racist. My question is, how many rapist uh, accusers do they have lined up? You know, do they do they already have people that that bought uh, vintage strap-on dildos that they can say that she used to fuck them with? You know, so they can bring them out Kavanaugh style when <laughs> when Trump nominates her. But. It seems that this Amy Barrett or Amy Cohen Barrett, she is uh, one option. The other option that people are talking about is uh, this other woman. She's like a Cuban-American. And hold on, I'm pulling out the uh, the two women. I've got this little article pulled from here from nationalreview.com. The two women at the top of the Supreme Court list. I will say empirically, Judge Amy Coney Barrett is better looking than... (laughs) than Judge Barbara Lagoa. Uh, L- Judge Barbara Lagoa kind of looks uh, a little goofball-y. But apparently also has a very strong judicial record. I know almost nothing about the second option other than the fact that she is a woman who had uh, represented Elian Gonzalez pro bono when he was here. She is hugely uh, opposed to Cuba and obviously is going to take a uh, an oppositional or I'd say a, uh, an anti-socialist approach to a lot of her rulings, which is nice to uh, to see, of course. And Lagoa, so Lagoa also has, you know, her obviously, Latino heritage. Now, she also had rolled into a position that was open and got approved by something like 80 to 15. There we go. So this is a quote from um, National Review. Another Trump appointee who has gone through an appeals court confirmation battle has suddenly landed on the shortlist. Judge Barbara Lagoa of Florida, who is 52 years old, has served on the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals since last December. While Barrett attracted considerable opposition and was confirmed by a 54 to 42 vote, Lagoa sailed through on a mostly bipartisan vote of 80 to 15. Lagoa is the daughter of Cuban parents who fled Castro's dictatorship and moved to Miami. Uh, So there you go. So she's anti-communism. And, like I said, I worked for uh, Elian Gonzalez, and she is a woman that – she would be the second Latina woman on there, obviously, Sotomayor that Obama had pointed. Sotomayor who was a bit of a crackpot, but I've seen her be pretty good on a couple different issues before. Um, I, th- I think it was like NSA spying, which she was actually very good on. But – It's an interesting pick and one that seems to be the obvious one because it would make the Democrats look very stupid if they suddenly try to oppose her. And also, as we're seeing, Trump has made big inroads with black men and Latins. And uh, I think mostly Latino men, but I think that crosses over where he's not winning a lot of black women over. And I had said, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I made the probably wildly inaccurate guess that Trump would get something like 30% of the black male vote. I still stand by that. I really honestly think he might get it. Uh, But black women are not. However, he's making a lot of inroads with Latin voters. And he's, you know, you could see him campaigning in in a lot of, and really targeting his message. Now, Biden's doing the same, but Biden so far has not been resonating at all. And in truth, studies, sorry, I got to swallow more because my throat's hurting. Studies that they've done, or not not studies, I'd say polls that they have done with uh, legal Immigrants from Latin American countries and also illegal immigrants, second-generation illegal immigrants, are hugely anti-illegal immigration. So, despite what you might think, Trump's posturing and Trump trying to say we need to crack down on illegal immigrants actually resonates more with legalized and second-generation Latins, Latin Americans, than it would with a message that the Democrats are pushing of open borders and not cracking down and all this other stuff. So, It's an interesting pick and one in a battleground state of Florida, which is going to be hugely important, could could possibly turn the tide. Now, will this person actually get in before the election? I don't know. McConnell says he has the votes. Um, You know, it's kind of funny because you're seeing the Democrats literally, you know, you've got assholes like Rob Reiner, who's Rob Reiner pisses me the fuck off because I really do love some of his movies. He did The Princess Bride. He did When Harry Met Sally. Movies that I truly, truly appreciate. But now every time I watch them, all I can think about is this fat, stupid fuck constantly yelling and screaming and having Trump dementia. But he's out there saying, we got to go to war about this. We have to kill. This is uh, the end of days. And we have to show them that we mean business and we have powers. Meanwhile, and the Democrats, of course, are saying that, oh, Merrick Garland, you know, they always like talk about Merrick Garland. So Merrick Garland, he's the guy that, you know, you delayed it and he had an, okay, fine. Yes, the Republicans delayed Merrick Garland, but they also had the power to. And that's the thing is, why, if you're the Republicans, would you wait? If you have the votes, if you can push it through, why would you want to wait until after the election happens to to try to do it? Now, granted, Trump's going to be in office until January, so it still might happen. His pick likely will still happen because the Republicans have the power, but why even try to to hem and haw about it? If you can do it, just do it now. And of course, the deepest irony is something that I talk about all the time when it comes to these stupid political moves that the people in power make. Somehow forgetting that they're not going to be in power forever. Like they make these the Democrats notoriously are trying to destroy the filibuster, which is fucking idiotic. And then, and I'm saying getting rid of it, rid of it is idiotic, not the filibuster. But the Democrats also foolishly the last time they were in power lowered the bar for confirmation you used to have to have a supermajority to confirm as supreme court justice you used to have to have a supermajority to do a lot of things the democrats in their madness for power under uh, i think it was harry reed decided oh we're gonna get rid of that oh well guess what happens now assholes you literally are reap what you sow Because when you make it easier to pass this stupid shit, when you take out these checks and balances that are there for a very good reason, well, whoops, when you're out of power, it gets used against you. And Mitch McConnell has literally said that exact thing. Actually, I think it was Lindsey Graham uh, who's out there saying that exact thing because Lindsey Graham had argued against getting rid of these things and lowering these, these barriers and boundaries for this exact reason. So now they are literally going to get bit in the ass by the dog that they unleashed. And if, I, if I'm the Republicans, I don't know why you'd wait. life sentences plus 40 years for creating a means for individuals to anonymously make online exchanges using Bitcoin. His actions did not create victims. For nothing more than creating a marketplace, the government locked him up and threw away the keys. Let's get Ross pardoned and get victimless crimes off of the books. Hashtag Free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Free Ross. Yeah, that is the intro to Free Free Hashtag Free, Free Ross. A song. A song. A song. Save me a show in the fucking drunk Brian in the subway trying to make a few dollars. Yes, that is a song by Tyler Culford, a.k.a. Crypto Man, a buddy of ours. And uh, he has put all of the proceeds that are going to be coming from this song, all of the sales, any of the downloads he gets, all of that money is going towards freeing Ross Ulbricht and fighting against victimless crime, especially I mean, compared to everything in the world. We've got Ross Ulbricht sitting in there. For providing a platform for people to trade goods voluntarily, non-violently. Absolutely absurd. So Tyler's putting all the money into supporting him, trying to help those legal fees out, trying to raise awareness. Guys, you can even just play this to help the algorithm. Just play it on mute while you sleep on your computer. It all helps. So go follow Crypto Man. Give Tyler Colford a land shout the free, out. And remember, hashtag and We spent 50000 gear for each in the clink. I said land of the free, escape and sheep. All right, see, uh, ELL 195, show notes. The abbreviated show notes can be found at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 195. Um, coming back in here, let's talk real quick about a few stories and uh, and see how long I go. I'm already I'm already impressed with how long I've been going, so let's see. Maybe I, maybe I can get at least 40 minutes out of this. So USC, uh, which of course is the University of Southern California, our local prestigious uh, self flating alumni peddling school, <laughs> private school uh, here out here. It's like the uh, UCLA's privatized douchey cousin. They have tried. Now, I, I think they have not formally fired this professor yet, but they are trying to fire a professor uh, named Gregory Patton. Now, Greg Patton, has been suspended for using a word in Chinese that sounds like a no-no word in English. And this happened while he was teaching a class, which, uh, let's see, what class was it? So he was a business professor in business communication. He gave a lecture last month about the ways different language speakers employ, quote-unquote, pause words, like the English term, um, um when they're grasping for other ones. In Chinese, he noted, people use the word nega nega, in a similar fashion. So, of course, you can imagine where this went. People complained because African-American students said that he had used the N-word in class or a word that sounded enough like it that they took offense. Now, let me tell you, uh, I personally have had experience with this where you've gone, you know, I was in China, I went to Beijing. I uh, My ex was a uh, born in China, grew up for the most part here, but we went back to the Beijing Olympics. So, of course, I learned some Chinese. I still do know some Chinese and I still am actively learning some Chinese. Um, but it was interesting because I had not heard that specific phrase and I'm walking around a market and this is during the Olympics. So there's actually, you know, walking around, there's also some giant black guys walking around that were there from various Olympic teams in this marketplace. But I'm hearing people go, nigga, 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 nigga. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but I can tell the context in which they're saying it is not specifically so sub- targeted at these people. And it literally is a pause word uh, where it's kind of like thinking, you know, just like it is, um, 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 uh, 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 that's the way it's used. Now, there's also things like Jega, it's like that, nega, is kind of like this, you know, this, that. So it's like kind of like this, 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 uh, you know, um, uh, uh, um, um, that's the way it is. Clearly, in the context of this professor, telling his students this is what is said in fucking Chinese It should be fairly obvious that no one should take offense to this. But this being America in 2020, the state of education, the state of stupidity, the state of I must do something so that I get adoration from my asshole friend group or online for launching a petition to remove a quote unquote racist professor when he is not racist in any way, that obviously trumps all. So these people put forth a complaint to the faculty. They had him removed from his class and replaced with another teacher for the remainder of the term. So he's on leave. The dean, Jeffrey Garrett, wrote an apology for this, saying, quote, It is simply unacceptable for faculty to use words in class that can marginalize, hurt, and harm the psychological safety of our students uh understandably this caused great pain and upset among students and for that i am deeply sorry now of course he should have never issued this apology he also should have never suspended this professor what would have been the appropriate response would have been to tell these children and clearly these are children not adults i don't care I don't care if these were seniors. These are clearly children because they think and act like children. They have the emotional responses of children and they clearly have the intellectual wherewithal of children. So I would have told these children what he said is factually accurate. It in no way translates directly or indirectly into English as a slur. If you can't understand that, then you can have the option of dropping out of this class. And for that, we will not punish you. We'll let you drop out if that's what you want to do. Now, I personally would still like to punish them. But let's say we're going to be tactful. You may drop out of his class and choose another class to take to fulfill whatever requirement that might have done for you. But we will not be removing him. We will not be tolerating this kind of idiocy. And we recommend that you think long and hard before you make this sort of accusation again or try to make this type of uh, of movement for a political, you know, political goal that has no functional purpose. But, of course, USC being here in lovely Los Angeles and being a school run by fucking cowards did not do that. The faculty... Of which some professors have signed a, a petition saying that he should be reinstated, as have some students. But the faculty in mass, you'd think, would have a no brainer decision to support this man. But of course, the faculty at this vaunted university, oh, so prestigious, are also fucking cowards. So they've done nothing. They haven't stood up, they haven't protested, they haven't marched, they didn't leave their classes in unity. For a man who had done empirically nothing wrong except teach his students something that is, if anything, pretty fascinating. And if they're going to be talking about international business, let's say these black students do get their degrees in business, God forbid, and are going out for a company and go to China, still one of our greatest trade partners, even though there's conflict going on right now. They go to China and they don't have this information. Probably a lot worse outcome than if they were told in this context what nega is used for in Chinese and that they should not be offended, that it's simply a placeholder word not meant to offend, not meant to insult. But no, these fucking idiot children can't see that far. The dean of the business school can't seem to understand that basic fundamental that in business communication, through international cultures, that this would be a very, very important lesson to teach. Despicable. All right, let's talk about next. Let's take a little bit, uh, oh, this goddamn story. This Nashville governor hiding COVID data from the bar scene, now, I guess in Nashville, which I've, I've never been to. <laughs> they pulled the story down. Wow. Wow. Okay. So the story that I bookmarked to talk about at Fox 17 Nashville has now been pulled, but this was a story that I'm sure I could find elsewhere. So I'm just going to talk about it again. I'm sick. I'm tired. I'm already talking. I'm not going to, I'm going to not going to stop and try to find another alternative source for this. But the mayor of Nashville had decided that he was going to collaborate with the head, I'm sorry, the Nashville governor and the head of the medical uh, association there, whatever, you know, whatever that title might be. They collaborated. They, you could say colluded to keep secret data coming out from, I believe it's called Broadway, which is the big bar strip in Nashville. So, What they did was they found all this data from doing random testing around the area where people are going out, right? Now, what they found was that there were high rates of infection still among elderly, old folks, homes, places that you would expect COVID to still be spreading and having damage, right? But they did a bunch of testing downtown in that bar area, and they came back with something like a case rate of lower than 2%. Now, you'd think that they would say, wow, this is really good information. This means we can open things up. This means we should be releasing our death grip on this area. We shouldn't be forcing these draconian measures on bar owners. We shouldn't be forcing people to sit outside. We shouldn't be forcing people to lower their capacity and fucking them over so they can't pay their goddamn rent. Instead of that, what they did was they, in these, and again, in these emails that were released by a whistleblower in a Fox 17 news story, which I guess- going the USC route as cowards and have now pulled the story down. But instead of doing that, what they did was decided to cover it up. And in these emails back and forth between whoever this, you know, whatever this guy's name in the medical head, he said, this is for our eyes only, right? Because I don't want to share this. This, We don't want this data getting out. Now, if it's happening here in Nashville, right? If it's happening in this one city, how many other cities do you think this is happening in? Because you know, if it's one, it's a hundred. And I would venture to say it's several hundred thousand. That's my guess. I'm going to guess that in virtually every goddamn city across this nation where people are going out to bars and restaurants, they tend to be younger people that have asymptomatic if they have it at all. They're not transmitting it. They're not contracting it. they're They're not out there coughing and sneezing. They're at very, very low risk. And probably the transmission rate among them is exceptionally low. And let's not forget that a lot of people have already had it, that the, every time I'm seeing a new study every day saying, well, we actually think it got here even earlier. Oh, uh, we think even more people, something maybe as high as 20% of people already had it before we even knew it was here. And the latest uh, I had read about COVID and antibody rates, they do stay in your body for something like three to four months. So we probably have already reached herd immunity, if we're being perfectly honest which can be as low as something like 12% of the population. Now, if 20% of the people already fucking had it before we even knew about it, and we have all these other people that have contracted it and spread it and are asymptomatic and that are working and going out and taking trains and taking buses and taking planes and everything else, that it stands to reason we pretty much already have herd immunity. That the old people should still protect yourselves, wear the masks, avoid going out avoid doing whatever until there's a vaccine but even then open up the economy let the young go out work let business owners run their goddamn businesses and get rid of this fucking charade of a pandemic that we've been forced to to stuff down our throats for the last what 7 months now ridiculous okay uh let's talk about two more things and I'll wrap it up um Oh, actually, one thing I want to talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, too, before I forget, I just got reminded by this story. So uh, the other thing I just I can't stand is the amount of coverage that her saying uh, allegedly saying on her deathbed. Now, let me get a quick sip of tea here. Allegedly saying on her deathbed that she just wanted us to wait until after the election to pick a new justice. Number one, I'm not saying that she definitely didn't say it, but it does certainly smack of bullshit. It certainly smacks of bullshit. Surrounded by friends and loved ones, she reaches her hand out to, I don't even know if she has kids, she reaches her hand out to her son and draws him close. And he's waiting to see what his mother has to say to him, what secret of life she has to share with him as she looks into the great beyond and she whispers, I just hoped that they wait until after the election to pick a new justice. Give me a fucking break. Political goddamn bullshit masquerading as some sort of grand statement by a great woman. Now look, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she said it. If she did, then honestly, I think all the respect that I previously had and talked about early in this episode will have now been lost because that's just a pathetic thing to go out on. But even if she did say it, reporting it as though it should have any impact on anything is fucking retarded. Of course, a politically motivated old woman who has clung to life and clung to her position well beyond when she should have given it up for one reason. And that is only so that she can only be replaced, hopefully in her mind by another Democrat saying that she hopes that we wait till after the election because Trump's currently in office, you know, that's part went, went went unsaid, but what the fuck do you think she's going to (laughs) say? Come come here, little Jimmy. (laughs) Make sure Donald Trump picks somebody the week after I die. (laughs) What what do you think she's going to (laughs) say? It's so fucking stupid. And the media reporting it like it should have any bearing on anything. On anything. Who cares? It's like if Barack Obama was on his deathbed and Barack Obama goes, hey, just make sure. Actually, I'll do a better Barack Obama. Michelle, uh, please just make sure that Obamacare never gets repealed. Like I, 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 of course, a, a partisan hack to the end. No bearing on anything. Our pathetic media. Okay, um, going back. I want to talk real quick about uh, Trump and the 1776 Commission to quote promote patriotic education. Uh, people are calling it executive overreach. I agree. I can. I completely concur. I think any other libertarian would agree. Even though I have massive problems with uh, what Trump is. Has- correctly called ideological poison, uh, which is critical race theory. And I love that Donald Trump has told everyone, get critical race theory the fuck out of every federal training program. Critical race theory is nonsense. It is based in zero science. It's based in absolute dogma from the left. It has no place in education, let alone federal education for a system that is supposed to be ideologically neutral. And of course the 1619 project, they can't get enough of backtracking on this. The woman who created the entire 1619 project concept and literally literally said on her Twitter that she defines the creation of the United States as of that point now is backtracking and saying, "Oh, I never meant that literally." Of course it's 1776, but People have screen grabs, and the internet never forgets. But um, I love that Trump is pushing back against the 1619 Project. I do think that if the federal government is involved in education, that the federal government should have a uh, a reason to push back on what is patently false history, as is agreed upon by virtually every historian of note. But at the same time, I do think that it's ridiculous to promote patriotic, quote, education, because now we're getting into China territory. Now we're getting into North Korea territory, even more so than we already are. So we as libertarians are really in a catch-22 here in a way. I mean, obviously, we want to push for homeschooling. We want to get the federal government out of education wholesale. But we find ourselves at an interesting juxtaposition wherein you've got critical race theory bullshit and communism being taught in schools meanwhile you've got a president saying well f that let's teach patriotic education which we also hate but which one's the which one's the greater evil i mean to me at current it certainly seems that Patriotic education would be the lesser evil, mostly because that's what we've already had for the most part. And I do believe that there is something to be said for a cultural foundation for a country to operate and not constantly be at each other's at, his, at excuse me at each other's throats. And what critical race theory and the sixteen nineteen project are literally trying to do is rewrite history to put us at each other's throats to undercut the basis of what our society was founded on and despite the fact that we have many many issues with it at at its creation you know the the general basic concept of small government non-interventionism that is something that we should try to defend that was something that I was taught at least growing up now that's changed obviously but getting back to that would be far greater Uh, of a benefit to us, to liberty, to the cause of freedom and individuality, then would the pushing of, you know, critical race theory and fucking democratic socialism and the rewriting of history as the left is trying to do. So, you know, it's the, uh, the emperor, goody, emperor, baddie type of thing. In this situation, I have to root for Trump, even though I am wholeheartedly against the concept of patriotic indoctrination but considering where we are as a country right now, it seems like a better option than what we're dealing with at the moment. Uh, my throat's getting sore, so I'm going to wrap up on this. Um, the Emmys, I did not watch them. I know, I'm the cultural guy, but I was so just totally wiped out, uh, I couldn't bring myself to, to tune into it. From what I heard, it was just more of the same pap, you know, you've got asshole celebrities who live in white castles coming up there and throwing stones at the poor and the uh, and, you know, the Republicans and the what Hillary Clinton, of course, referred to as deplorables and at Donald Trump and saying the same horseshit that led to Donald Trump in the first place and that they still don't seem to understand is going to lead to him maintaining the presidency. I don't understand why these celebrities think that what they say matters to people and what they don't think, that they don't understand that it's going to have a rebound effect that rich people preaching to you, just like the NBA and the NFL. We saw the NFL ratings absolutely tank, as did the NBA ratings. And I noticed, by the way, we'll probably talk about this on degenerate gamblers again this week, but I noticed when I was uh, lying on the couch, half asleep, watching Monday Night Football last night, uh, ESPN, no coverage of the anthems, no no jerk-off standing arm-in-arm, arm, no, uh, I'm forgetting what the black, quote-unquote, black national anthem is that they were playing. No coverage of that. Nope. You know why? Because they realized, oh, we're losing money. People hate this shit, and they're sick of it. So, unlike the other broadcasts that went out of their way to cover it, nope, thank God. Right into the game. Hey, welcome to Monday Night Football. We're your hosts. It's kickoff. Boop, there you go. Just the way it should be. But the Emmys, which have hit their lowest ever ratings, only 6 million viewers, 6.1 million viewers. That was it for this giant award show that used to draw, I don't even know, probably used to draw 20 million back in the day. 6.1 6.1 million viewers because people simply don't want to be preached at. They know what this shit's all about. They know only the wokest of the woke garbage is going to be winning the Emmy at the Emmys. They know the fucking daily show is going to win another 10 Emmys, despite the fact that it's the worst written show on television. Now that the big Bang theory is off, of course, but that, you know, the laziest of Trump jokes that it's simply preaching to feeling I mean, the people that are picking the awards are woke leftists. It's not your everyday Americans that are going to weigh in on picking the Emmys. It's literally garbage being rewarded by people that agree with garbage. So why would the average American tune in? And clearly they aren't. And unless they write the ship, unless they get, bring in a Ricky Gervais, uh, which again, you know, I, Ricky Gervais, he was amazing at the Golden Globes. And the Golden Globes actually had better ratings because of it. But he's gone now. And so you had, I think, Jimmy Kimmel, right, host of the Emmys, super leftist Jimmy Kimmel, who I used to find very funny, and now I just weep for what what he's become, hosting a bunch of assholes, preaching and preening and telling you how shitty you are and how you need to vote Democrat. No, thank you. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up. I gave you a good 45 minutes there, despite feeling like doggy, uh, doggy donkey shit. So I will uh, sign off just reminding you to listen to Mark Clare on Mondays, John Odie Odermatt on Fridays, and also to please, 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 if you're listening to this, if you find me entertaining, uh, let alone John Odermatt and Enrico, who are far less entertaining. But if you find me entertaining, then choose uh, to tune in to Bravo and Beer, our hilarious recapping show for Bravo and TLC shows where we just get hammered and talk about them from a men's perspective, which is, of course, always entertaining. So check that out. Anywhere you want to listen to it, Bravo and Beer. All right, that's going to do it. Wish me luck in recovering quickly, everybody out there. Send me flowers, but money is always better. And uh, packets of drugs. (laughs) All right, for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged into Liberty.